The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. BPI presents Pride Connection. Sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. Tuesday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media One. And shortly thereafter on all your favorite podcast catchers. And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions. They're only illusions. And rainbows have nothing. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pride Connection. This week's episode is a recording of a live panel discussion which took place at the 62nd Annual Convention of the American Council of the Blind in Schaumburg, Illinois. I hope you will pick up on the energy of everyone who was in this room positively on fire for advocacy. I hope that you will take some of these suggestions back to your own community. Enjoy the episode. Good afternoon. Buenos tardes. Is everybody having a good time so far at the 62nd annual ACB convention? All right. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Corona, and this is... Tristan Snyder. Hello, everybody. (laughs) It's good to be here with all of you. So today we're um, focusing on First They Came For, Lessons in Advocacy. We're going to be talking about legislation. We decided after the events the last two weeks that we're going to throw in some conversation about the Supreme Court. And then we're going to turn it over to all of you to brainstorm with us. What can we take from what's happening and apply it to the disability community and what do we as allies or as individual participants need to do to make and amplify our voices? Tristan? So people need to remember that the persecution or the the targeting of one community will inevitably lead to the targeting of other communities. It never fails. Historically, it's always been that way. As of right now, according to Gallup, just 41% of Republican respondents feel that same-sex relationships are moral. That is down from 2022 from 56%. That is a 15% pointage drop in, in, in Republican approval of same-sex relationships. And you would think, okay, Republicans, they're going through a, a bit of a crisis right now, but for Democrats, the uh, percentage points dropped from 85% in 2022 to 79% in, in 2023. What that tells us is that the propaganda that is being pushed is working. It is affecting people. These loud minority voices who are screaming about this on on various, I won't call them news stations, the politicians who are making hay from targeting us and, and their vile insinuations are affecting change. And sometimes, you guys, what I hear are crickets. People don't want to speak up. They don't want to defend because they're afraid they'll be targeted by these same people. I mean, you know, the, the targeting gets vicious when, when you disagree with those people. 
And uh, I hate to say it, people don't like when I break out the F word, but this is, this is the road to fascism. We must defend against fascism. And so that means we have to speak out. Silence in the context of, of politics, in the context of, of uh, marginalized groups, whether that's people with disabilities or LGBT people or people of color or women or, or whatever, any, any uh, marginalized groups, silence is consent. Okay, and we cannot be silent anymore. We have to push back on this messaging. We have to defend our positions. We have to hold our ground. It's so important. Anthony? And so in that vein, um, for our Pride Month episode of Pride Connection, we decided to take a whole set of testimonials from BPI members and our allies on the way this Don't Say Gay legislation push makes them feel what they're afraid of, how it affects their daily lives, how it affects their morality, how it affects their mental health and stance in their own community. Um, We opened up that episode with a bunch of statistics that I want to share with you now, and then we will continue the discussion. Don't Say Gay by the Numbers. More than 100 bills targeting LGBTQ rights and queer life, from transgender healthcare to drag shows, have been filed in 22 states for 2023 so far. This year will set a record for new anti-LGBTQ legislation. According to Equality Texas, a record 36 anti-LGBTQ plus bills have been filed in the state legislature. In the past three years, 18 states have banned transgender student athletes from competing on school sports teams that align with their gender identity rather than the sex they were assigned at birth. According to the Movement Advancement Project, an LGBTQ think tank, four states, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, and Arizona, have enacted restrictions on gender-affirming medical care for minors, though federal judges have blocked them from taking effect in Arkansas and Alabama. Lawmakers in 11 states have introduced bills that would restrict gender-affirming health care for minors. In Oklahoma, one bill would restrict gender transition care for any individual under the age of 26. This legislation, if passed, would also prohibit Medicaid from covering such care. Bills filed in Arizona, Arkansas, Montana, Tennessee, Texas, and West Virginia would ban minors from attending drag performances and seek to classify any business that hosts such performances as a cabaret or a sexually oriented business. In Florida, The Parental Rights in Education law, dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill, prohibits classroom instruction on gender identity or sexual orientation. In 2021, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and State Attorney General Ken Paxton directed Child Protective Services to investigate any claims of parents providing gender-affirming care for minors. The Trevor Project estimates that more than 1.8 million LGBTQ youth, aged 13 to 24, seriously consider suicide each year in the U.S and at least one attempts suicide every 45 seconds. The Trevor Project's 2022 National Survey on LGBTQ Youth Mental Health found that 45% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year, including more than half of transgender and non-binary youth. About one out of 10 violent victimizations against LGBT people are hate crimes, according to a 2021 study by the Williams Institute at UCLA School of Law. 
LGBT people are nine times more likely than non-LGBT people to be victims of violent hate crimes. In addition, LGBT violent hate crime victims are more likely to be younger, have a relationship with their assailant, and have an assailant who is white. I just want to point out right there, just, just, just for the sake of karma, that Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is now under indictment. So I just want to, yeah, you, you come for us and karma will find you. That's all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I want to ask everyone a couple of questions. And just by using your hands, is anyone in the room a redhead? Would you be okay with it if someone told you that because you're a redhead, your rights do not matter as much as someone who has blonde or chestnut brown or black raven hair. I'm going to take that as a no. Yeah, I mean, just imagine it. There used to be a, a prejudice uh, against redheaded people because they were supposed to have terrible tempers. Can you imagine if you weren't allowed to drive heavy vehicles or even drive a car because you might be more susceptible to road rage because you're a redhead? By a show of clapping... How many in this room have been approached by a drag queen for the, the intent purpose of, quote-unquote, recruiting you into the LGBTQ lifestyle? If you have it, I might know someone else. <laughs> How many of you have watched an episode of Will and Grace or The L Word, or Queer as Folk, or one of the many wonderful LGBTQIA plus themed movies, and decided that your lifestyle that you're living suddenly isn't enough or isn't right, that because you were exposed to this, now suddenly you want to ride down the rainbow. <laughs> A lot more laughter than clapping is happening. And that's part of what we wanted to discuss today. The legislation that has been put forth in almost all 50 states are basically telling us that our life as we live it is not valid. It is not okay. It is not worthy. And without strong voices, strong banding together, coalition building, without turning back and saying, don't say gay, is not okay or it won't make us go away. Without raising our voices, without having conversations like this, they're going to get away with it. And, and they'll be coming for our allies because you're an ally. Exactly. There are, there, there are countries in this world, Uganda, for example, where even if you're not an, a member of the rainbow, if you harbor a member of the rainbow, if you know about them and don't report them to the government... You can be prosecuted, your home can be taken, and you can be jailed. If you don't think that can't happen here, I would like to direct you to the Japanese internment camps. And it's already happening here. It's happening subtly. In some of this legislation, and most importantly in the media that we are focusing on, we're being given subtle signs. And it's happening and spilling out into other marginalized communities, including disability. How often do you see media representations that very subtly pit us against each other. This community got more because they did this. This community didn't get because they don't do this. That's the subtle messaging that lays the foundation. You can't build a strong house without a very strong foundation. 
And again, you know, unfortunately, there seems to be one party that is a lot more invested, so to speak. They've spent the better part of the last century, but most importantly, the last 60 years, figuring out how to dismantle, which leads us to talking about the Supreme Court. I'm sure over the last day or two, your phone must have been blowing up with alerts. Oh, indeed. This, uh, this new one about businesses can now choose not to serve or customize merchandise for LGBT people. They don't even have to have a sincere religious belief. They can just not. It's just open season. You can, you can just be a plain old bigot with no religious hang-ups, and you can just say, nope, I don't serve them. Given all of the accommodations that people with disabilities need, often, braille menus, wheelchair access, just because we have an ADA, hey, get, same-sex marriage is legal, y'all. Just now, because we have an ADA does not mean that they won't say, well, I just, I just don't want to serve, I just don't want to serve disabled people in my establishment. It just, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to have to address them. So I'm not going to. And, if, and this case has the potential to set that precedent, especially with these, <clears throat> I use the term justices loosely. Following along that train of thought, another major decision that was handed down this week spoke about affirmative action. Tristan just spoke about the ADA. So speaking of the ADA, if you think that the ADA is safe, let's think about a year ago yesterday. Who can shout out to me what happened a year ago yesterday? 50 years of precedent, affirmative <clears throat> action, which has over 50 years of precedent, have both been struck down in, in the matter of a year. The ADA, how long do you think we have? So the ADA is only, what, 33 years old? And we're still fighting about it, guys. We still have ADA access issues. Like, can we, I mean, all of us flew here, except for those in the Chicago area, how, how did it go with your guide dogs and getting on a friggin' plane with your guide dogs? It was a nightmare. And how many touchscreen surfaces do we have everywhere? How many grocery stores are going to self-checkout and, and forcing you to use a touchscreen? It, maybe it talks, but it's not a screen reader. Uh, there's still so many access issues. Now, just imagine if this court, which is predisposed to do so, could say... Oh, this is just too burdensome on our poor, beleaguered corporations. Maybe we should just say, uh, the ADA doesn't apply. They can just post a sign outside that say they don't serve disabled people, and then they'll be free to do what they want. It is possible for them to do that, because they have the power of judicial review. One last point on the Supreme Court before we go, before we move into legislation. <sighs> Student loan forgiveness. Yesterday, the decision was handed down as well. How long before it is not a right to be able to take an Uber or a taxi with a guide dog? How long before a company says, well, that accommodation on the website is too costly? I'd like to give a statistic real quick. <laughs> In the Payroll Protection Act, the government spent over $700 billion refunding corporations, not small businesses. They have their own number. $700 billion if every student loan that is eligible under Biden's original plan were to be forgiven, you're looking at less than $400 billion. Take that in for a minute, folks. 
Tristan, talk to us a little about the legislation. The student loan forgiveness, of course, is a, was going to be a federal program. So let's let's look at another federal program that allows you to, if you have burdensome medical debt, you can declare bankruptcy and allow that medical debt to be washed away. And your creditors cannot impact your credit report with your medical debt. That is far more possible to be struck down uh, under the same precedent as a student as the student loan forgiveness. So, uh, and how many disabled folks here have medical debt? Now, as far as the legislation, uh, it's actually closer to 500 active bills passed in the last two years in like 30-odd states uh, against the LGBTQ community and against drag performers. And I'd like to point this out because some people kind of miss the boat on this, but there are, in fact, some drag performers that are straight. Yeah, there are. There are drag performers who are straight who just enjoy... The, the costumes and the pageantry and the performance, it's not as cut and dry as these, um, frankly, these, these fascists would have you believe. They, they're just using it as a wedge issue to open the door to allow you to accept more restrictions on your freedoms. Now, Anthony, I don't want to be Mr. Doom and Gloom. I think we, we need to help because a lot of these things, you know, you, you can watch YouTube videos or podcasts about all this and... What happens is we present all these problems and people kind of walk away feeling like they're, they're now a member of the Sylvia Plath Poetry Club. <laughs> I, I feel like it's important that we start to talk a little bit about uh, solutions and what we can do to do our part in this fight against fascism. We, we have to find a way to do that. And I don't believe in, in laying all this out without talking about some solutions and about some things that we can all do. Um, did you want to speak to I wanted to speak to two things. Um, the first being the Trevor Project is undertaking a study on the progression of laws since 1900, both from the LGBTQ perspective and from suffragette women's rights, etc. They basically have presented findings that it's a cyclical cycle that happens every 36 years. It gets to a plateau point and then the pushback starts again. Jim Crow, segregation, all of those things follow the same cycle. Now, 36, of course, is, is an, a mean number. It doesn't mean that every 36 years things are going to ch- radically change, but that's the cycle of the way that these bills work. Along that same study, they, are also, they also published findings saying these bills that are, quote-unquote, blanketed in protection f- for transgender the sports, the bathrooms, etc. That opens the door for legislation not long down the road where teachers will be able to say, I don't feel comfortable teaching that student because she has two daddies. I don't feel comfortable teaching that student because they told their classmates that they're non-binary and that they will be allowed to no longer have that student in their class. That's what some of these bills are leading up to. So we definitely do want to open it up and let's start talking about solutions. I just want to add real quick before we get to the next thing that the legislation in Florida is particularly vicious. I, I really am, am just blown away by, by the level of vitriol that is in, encapsulated in that legislation. And part of it speaks to a fear that a lot of us who are blind parents feel. Um, I don't know how many people here are blind parents, but I want to talk to you about what some of this legislation says. If you provide your child in Florida any 
kind of gender affirming care. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be puberty blockers, which is, by the way, uh, you know, people are are scared that that kids are having sex changes. No, the the gender affirming care that you take as a child are puberty blockers, so that if you decide to transition when you are an adult, you can do so without having to have the incredibly difficult pieces of the sex change uh, that you would have to do. Um, it, is, it is a kinder, gentler way to do it as an adult. Um, it leads it up. But anyways, if you provide any gender-affirming care, including referring to your child by the pronouns they prefer, that's alone. That's enough. The Florida Child Services people can come in and take your child from you. That's a lot to process, and we realize that. But... What can we do? What are some of the solutions? I know, Leah, you're in the room, correct? Would you like to speak about the power of allyship? Uh, First of all, I just want to thank Anthony and Tristan for putting on this uh, talk today. This is incredibly important. Just one thing I wanted to bring up as well, and one of the things that really scares me when we talk about the track that some of this legislation and the Supreme Court ruling yesterday are heading towards is medical care as well. I, I think one of the scariest things that a lot of people may say about yesterday's ruling, oh, you know what, look, I mean, if this cake, cake decorator will not decorate your cake because you're a same-sex couple, just let the market decide and just go to another decorator. Um, it's not that simple because if we keep following this progression, we could get to a place where, let's say, I have appendicitis and I go to the emergency room and the doctor on call finds out that I'm a lesbian that doctor could say, I don't want to treat this person because they're a lesbian and I'm not comfortable with that. And then I, I die of appendicitis, possibly. When you start last summer with taking the right away for anybody with a uterus to make their own decisions about their own bodies, this is where we're headed. So allyship, it is so important right now that our allies stand up for us because that's what it's going to take and it's going to take the shape of speaking out. I also want to point out that we need allies particularly in the in the red states to vote for political candidates who are going to reverse the trend that we are setting right now. The the most crucial thing that anybody can do is vote. The only way we're going to begin to reverse this is to get these politicians who are crafting this legislation out of office and place politicians who are going to right these inequities that are building, that are going to reverse this. How far of a step is it from, from the, the medical situation where, where LGBT people can be denied care in some states? How far is it, and many of you who are blind and visually impaired in this room have had an experience where somebody said, oh, I would kill myself if I was blind. <laughs> so mm-hmm. how many doctors out there are willing to say, well, their quality of life is so bad yeah. because they're blind. They don't, it would just be kinder yeah. to let them die. They're already starting to do that in Canada. And with that thought process, I want to piggyback on what Leah just said. 
Yes, it is very important to vote for our president. And yes, it is very important to vote for our national representatives and senators. But it is your local state representatives and senators that are enacting all of this legislation. It is your local state representatives and senators who are affecting the quality of your life day by day. Yes, we can always look and pray and vote for federal protections. But until the day that those federal protections are enacted, it is your local state representatives and senators who are affecting the quality of your life. And remember that the the strategy that was undertaken by the people who are enacting this kind of legislation was 50 years in the making, and the way they started was by co-opting your local government first. Local government goes down the path, and then the rest follows. So if you want to affect change in your community, and if you want to see a a kinder, more compassionate United States, you have to start with your city, your municipal, your state your county even, every little bit of that local, local government matters. Do your research. Look at the people who are running yep. and see who aligns with your values of kindness, empathy, and compassion. They tell you that every vote counts. So following on that logic, every vote counts? Well, every election counts, folks, whether it's the school board the representative, the local county commissioner. Every election counts. All right, Gabriel. Well, those of you who know me know that I have a lot to say, but I'm going to keep it succinct as possible. I want to piggyback on what everyone has said so far. Um, What Leah said about the comparison between the not wanting to bake your cake because you're a same-sex couple is already happening. Uh, how many, by show of hands, clap if you have been, if you're a guide dog user who has been denied an Uber ride on, under the pretense of I'm a Muslim or I'm a certain religion for my religion does not allow me to be close to dogs. And I'm not singling out Muslims, I just said because I know that's one of the religions that does. Some people take it out of context when, when it comes to dogs. And just for balance, I'll, I'll put out that my, my great aunt, who has since passed, was, a, was a, a, a member of a very, very small, thankfully, Christian sect who believed that, that people with disabilities were cursed by God and told that, and, and I was told as a young child that I must forever work in the service of Jesus to redeem my light so <laughs> okay so, you know it's not we're not singling out just one religion to me my personal story was the opposite because some people say lgbt community is out to recruit people that we're looking to convert people into being gay or being a different sexual identity or sexual orientation i want to say to me what i we should look at the other side of the coin To me, it was the other way around. I learned as a child that a boy likes a girl. And if you don't follow that, it's a sin and you're going to burn in hell. So I grew up with a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. It does sound like grooming. It took me until the age of 25 to fully accept my sexuality because from the age of four, I, can, I have memories, vivid memories of people going, oh, you're so cute. All the girls are just going to love you. Yes, exactly. And all the rest of it. And 
I thought that it was my job. I thought that part of my job as a as a kid was to find a girlfriend. But I was in love with my best friend who was a boy when I was eight years old. That is another thing they like to say. Oh, kids don't know. You're you're pushing your ideas. No, I knew when I was eight that I was attracted. Same here. I knew. And the problem is that people think that we turn gay. No, it's when when your hormones start acting up. Or start act, being activated. That's when you start feeling the real attraction. So uh, what I want to close and, and say is, uh, I don't want to sound doom and gloom, <laughs> but Tristan did say it a moment ago. History has shown us, and Trist- history repeats itself. The idea is to create a whole new generation of people who grow up and know just the information that is being fed through these horrific legislations. So if you think that we're being alarmist, or if anyone out there thinks that we're being uh, exaggerated, look at Germany. I've watched very, very horrific interviews with people who were uh, part of the Nazi regime and said that's how they grew. They grew learning that Jewish people, gay people, anyone who was different, disabled people were going to steal their own land and their own rights, and that you needed to get rid of them. They were the enemy. It's important to remember on that score that the very first people that were targeted were LGBT people. The uh, There was an institute for transgender studies in 1930, y'all. Yep. That had been around since the end of the First War, and they, they had done incredible work learning about the science behind uh, people who identify as a different gender, And they did some some work on on gay people and, and, and learning about the science behind it and, and the social patterns behind it. It was burned to the ground along yep. with all of their papers, all of their books. Yep. That was one of the very first things that Hitler's regime did. So it can happen, and it does happen. And I'm I'm just going to close with a very, very close to home and to still today, very, very real example. Just 90 miles south of Miami, where Anthony and I live, you find the island of Cuba. What happened with Cuba? They were complacent. No one spoke up. And they managed to get rid of anyone who threatened the government. And they created a generation of people who think that there's nothing best than what they have because that is what they grew up. That is how they were born. So if we allow this trend to happen... I want to keep migrating north. <laughs> so it's important when you run for a school board to emphasize that your school board needs to choose books from states that actually believe in science and actually believe in real history. That kind of thing is important. It's so important because we cannot allow the next generation to be programmed to believe some of the lies and the vitriol that are coming out of the mouths of some of these people. I'm just going to close by echoing Leah. I always tell people, vote, 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 vote smartly. I have, I'm proud to say that ever since I became a naturalized citizen, I have, I, citizen, I have not missed a single election, big or small. I, every time I vote and I, and I study what each candidate stands for and what uh, which candidate uh, has shown with their actions to the core situation happening. I know many people will disagree with me, but I already have my slogan, Mr. Biden, pack the court. One thing I want to say, too, is that in a positive note, the fact that we here in this room 
have the power to affect change, not just through voting, but through our messaging, through how we talk with people about these issues. When you hear somebody say, oh, those transgender kids, you know, they want to play in sports and it's not right for them to be on, on a girl team when they're really a boy, that kind of thing, um, can be countered by, by learning what the science is behind it all and saying, actually, that's not true. And the science doesn't support that. When you start questioning people, and you do it politely, but you do it in a firm way that has facts backing it, they get flustered, and they don't know how to deal with it. It's called cognitive dissonance, yep. and it disrupts their thinking. And for some <clears throat> people, that's all it takes for them to begin to question what they have been told. Yeah. These people, uh, if, if they can question that belief system that they have been essentially programmed with, that is how we can make inroads into helping them to come back to <clears throat> rationality. And that is something that must happen. We've got to try to help people return to the rational world. Absolutely. And even something as simple as standing up for someone who has a pronoun request Jessica, I'm going to put you on the spot for a moment. How would it feel if your boss or a teacher, professor, anyone, a service person said, you know what? You don't, you're not a Jessica. You don't look like a Jessica. I'm going to call you Molly. Yeah. Wow. That would be incredibly rude, first of all. And a lot of my clients want to call me Jennifer um, because that's like their granddaughter's name or whatever. But if somebody just sort of did it on purpose and decided for me, I'd be like, wait a minute. You don't get to decide that for me. So Mm -hmm. call me Jessica or I'm going to leave the room. And that's the same thing as someone asking you to use a certain pronoun for them. How would you feel if I just started saying, yeah, uh, Jesse, you know, he's, he's a great guy. I really like him. I'd be like, what? <laughs> so I have a couple more pesky questions. Who in this room, by using your hands to clap, has contacted their local representative, their state or city representative in the last three months? All right, I like that. Who has written an email or, God forbid, made a phone call? In the last three months, I'd be clapping, but I'm holding the mic. I like hearing that. So let's turn this over to you folks. If you have comments on what we've said so far, we'd love to hear it. But also, what do you think are some of the solutions? And what do you think it means to be an ally both for the LGBTQ plus community and for the disabled community? Jessica, I'm going to give you the mic to run. And, and I would also just point out, if you are interested in affecting change, but this feels a little bit overwhelming to you and you would like to have some kind of a guide to how you might be able to start, I highly recommend visiting indivisible.org. They yes. are a tremendous group. They were once uh, staffers um, and, uh, and aides to, to politicians, and they understand what they will pay attention to, what they don't care about, and, and how you can best reach them and pressure them. So that, that group is, is in my indivisible is indispensable. Yeah. And that is a good yeah. that is a good group to visit and talk with. Awesome. And they'll teach you how to target your messaging so that you say what you want to say in language that they want to hear. Thank you. My name is Dan Scholl. I'm a first time observer here for an ACB convention. I am all <laughs> 
I am also about as far from being gay as Perry is from Peru. However, I am blind, and this matters to me. In my pan-sanctorum, if you will pardon the word, Martin Niemöller is one of my saints. You will recall that it was Martin Niemöller who came out with the statement, they came for the communists, but I wasn't a communist, so I didn't say anything. Then they came for the Jews, but I am not Jewish, so I didn't say anything. Then they came for the Catholics and the trade unions and the gays and the disabled. And by the end of the day, they were coming for me. And nobody said anything. This all matters. I happen to be a member of the Unitarian Universalist Association. My church does a lot of this kind of work. That don't say gay law. Did you know that if somebody got all vonced up about married teachers, they could consider a teacher wearing a wedding ring as a species of grooming? You know, they could do that. It won't stop at gay or lesbian either. It'll hit, the, it'll hit disabled teachers. It'll hit black teachers. It'll hit women teachers who are pregnant. Oh, it'll, it'll nail everybody. What I'm hoping is that we are going to create such strident opposition to these laws as Dan just expressed. We need all of our allies to absolutely get angry because on our own, I mean, we can fight this, we can vote, but we need the support of Americans. We need those statistics to go up in terms of people that are not buying this propaganda. I want to point out that on Wednesday, the Multicultural Affairs Committee is uh, hosting a panel on the whole concept of book burning and uh, banning and books being removed from library shelves. One of those sets of books is, <laughs> is about Helen Keller, of all people. That is one of the key ways that these forces cut off any kind of understanding or critical thinking is by reading the libraries of books so that free reading material, open reading material will not be available. I just am hoping that we can convince people to get out there and, and reverse the way this pendulum is swinging right now because we're headed towards um, incredibly grim times if we don't. What was it Obama said? Yes, we can. When you feel overwhelmed, you, you, you know, you've done your part, you've tried to fight, and you're just tired, think of how staggered breathing works in, in a chorus. Take a breath, let them carry the weight a bit, and when you feel up to it, join the fight again. In other words, take a pause, take care of yourself, and then plug back in, just like in a chorus. Who else would like to speak? Thanks. Hi, I'm Penny. Um, I'm an ally, uh, but I have a... <laughs> Uh, I was an ally even before my son told me he was gay, but I'm now a real ally, and he has a partner who's transgender. So it's not just about being afraid. It's about being terrified. When they go out together, I'm just worried they won't come back. And uh, so my suggestion is that it's, it's easy to say vote, and it's easy to say stand up for what you believe in, but we need information. We need voter guides. I don't know who's on my school board. I... You know, my last kid graduated from school 10 years ago, so I don't keep up with that anymore. Um, does Indivisible make voter guides? And if they do, that's what 
BPI needs to do, we need to share real information with people so they know how to vote. Thank you. The League of Women Voters has a great resource called Vote411. I think it's vote411.com. And that is a resource I go to and that I share with friends. They present a list of questions and they literally write what each candidate said verbatim. They're not party affiliated, but they are progressive and they just share the information as it is so that whatever you are looking for, you can see what each person said about it. Hey, there's a great organization called Republicans for Change, and they have a website that says, this is not my party. And they have a lot of voter guides and a lot of voter information available for like-minded Republicans who want their party back. Yes, I was going to mention the Lincoln Project because the Republican Party is not what it once was, and especially after November of 2016, because we had, and I'm not going to call that person president, he was never my president, he was the occupant of the Oval Office. While he was still sitting in the Oval Office, he went against federal regulation, against the ADA, and removed all Braille signage from Trump Towers. I'm saying that just to see just the level of where this is going and how we make it stop, because when you have the leader of what is considered the first nation of the world go against the federal regulations while he's still sitting in office, I think we need to be scared. When he took office in, on January 20th, 2017, Here all information regarding people with disabilities was removed from the White House uh, websites. And so was all LGBT information. It was all wiped away. And they, they gave you the excuse of, oh, well, we're just working on it to update it for what we want to do with it. But they never put it back. Does anybody have any ideas about solutions? Hello. Uh, my name is Carrie Regan. I am the A in LGBTQIA+. And remember, A is not for ally, although we love them dearly. A is for asexual, aromantic, and agender, and I identify as asexual and aromantic. So, yeah. Solutions are very hard to come by, not impossible, hopefully. But one is AAPD, which is the American Association of People with Disabilities. Uh, they're a fabulous organization located in D.C. They have a program that they run called RevUp, which is a program to encourage voting among people with disabilities. And they have a lot of programs and seminars and you can go to, especially during election years. And they also have a survey of candidates for major office. I think they've only done it for presidential candidates so far, but um, regarding disability issues. So 2024 is coming up soon. You might want to keep an eye out for that. Another one that I have found very helpful living in New York, and this may not necessarily pertain to all states, but uh, the Working Families Party, which is a wonderful progressive uh, party. They generally support certain Democrats, but you can vote on the Working Families line. And they do a lot of work for uh, housing justice and anti-poverty work, but also work regarding LGBT issues, etc. There are many LGBT people that are unhoused, unfortunately, who get kicked out. So those are two resources. And we were also talking about the book situation earlier. So far, NLS has been a great ally to us. Hopefully that continues in that vein. I hope somebody brings that up to the NLS. Is it, we're getting the director to speak uh, this week. I hope somebody brings that up to them. When people do something right, it is equally important 
to reach out to them and thank them for doing what was right. Standing up and doing the right thing is often very difficult. Um, Unfortunately, recently we've seen Target fold to pressure and Bud Light fold to pressure. Some organizations that are doing that. But guess who didn't? Walmart of all organizations. And And guess who else didn't? I was shocked about this, you guys. Cracker Barrel. Wells Fargo, Disney, yes. There are people who are not folding to the pressure. Aside from corporations, when our lawmakers stand for what's right, I don't care what their party is. I'm going to call them and say, thank you. You have my support for doing that. Thank you so much. Even if you don't agree with them on everything, you can even say that. I don't agree with most of your policies, but thank you for standing up for LGBT people or thank you for standing up for people with disabilities or whatever the group they stood up for. That is something that is essential to help them stay in the right place. Another thing you can do, and I'm going to use BPI as an example, but MCAC and certain committees and other affiliates, if you see something that affects our community, whether it be an article about a law, whether it be about a vote that's about to be taken, and please, if you see it before we get there, we can send a press release out. Forward it to membership at blind, LGBT pride.org forward it to mcac forward it to women's concerns when you see something forward it you don't necessarily have to know what to do with it but we're the subject matter experts and we'll figure out what to do with it if you hear something if you encounter something and you want the support you want a press release or you want to know who to contact call us email us and that goes for all the other committees within ACB because if we don't put that information out there, then these, the committees and the affiliates, Blind Pride included, we don't know until it's too late. When you first get that first whiff of fire, call the fire department. All right, anybody else in the audience want to share with us? I can definitely say that as bad as it is now, We've got plenty of time to fix it, but we got to start now. It has been worse, and it'll get worse again if we don't do something about it. History just shows that. The early gay organizations, one of the first ones in this country, Mattachine Society, had to actually keep their secret. People didn't know who all was in the organization. They treated it kind of like the Communist Party did, where they separated people into cells so they could keep it safe at the time. We had government laws against hiring gay people, all kinds of things that we think of as impossible. We could have them back soon. The biggest and most successful experiment in democracy is our country itself. We're all very well aware of the Boston Tea Party and what that stood for, what it sparked, and subsequently where we went from there. But when you dive into history and you look at that time period, the concerns of the folks in Virginia and Maryland were not the same concerns as the folks in Massachusetts and New York. Pennsylvania had their own set of... But they understood at that point that all of their concerns wouldn't matter unless they all stood together and for the most important concerns. And then 
the block would form and the wall would hold and the bricks would all be taken care of one by one. It's happened in the LGBTQ community. When the Stonewall riots happened, the LGBT community was very fragmented. There was the precursor to the drag movement. There were the precursors to what we call transgender and non-binary now. They didn't just pop up recently. They didn't suddenly come because gay marriage was voted in and it was okay. We've always been here. We've, and so we put aside the differences between us to fight, to stand for the most important things. It happened in the civil rights movement. It's happened in all the great democracies around the world. You trace the history of a good democracy out there, and you will see coalition building is what started it all and what fed it to the point that brought it to the apex of the movement. I do not believe that, that we are sliding down the other side of the mountain. I believe that we're sitting on that ball of the pendulum that goes back and forth and back and forth. But sooner or later, there'll be someone on the right side or the left, <laughs> the left that happens to be right, that will grab the stick that holds the ball of the pendulum and hold you there and keep you there. And the only way that's going to happen is by speaking up, speaking out, and speaking together. Can I get everyone to say that with me? Speaking out, speaking up. Thank you, Tristan. As a, an amateur student of history, I, I will tell you this. The greatest accomplishments of the New Deal are our are, are 40-hour work week, end of child labor, which unfortunately is being undone right now. All of those, those things that we got, the weekend and everything, that was all achieved by a broad coalition comprising communists, socialists, trade unionists, and center-left liberals. That's the coalition that FDR built to create the, the 40 years of prosperity that we had after the Depression, the people who didn't like that targeted the weakest point of that coalition, the communists, and began to pick away and dissolve and start to dissolve that coalition. So what we need to do now, friends, is build a coalition comprising those who are knowledgeable, who are compassionate, who have empathy, who have an understanding of where history can go, who, who care about democracy and freedom, and we need to build that coalition and start immediately. Everybody who can help should help so that we can bring back the prosperity and the kindness and the joy of living in freedom and living without fear. Those are things that we can achieve, but we must work together to do so. If we all take a step back for a second and think about our own beloved American Council of the Blind, isn't that what we are? We have concerns of the totally blind. We have CCLVI. We have organizations, special interest affiliates like Blind Pride International. We have committees doing really good work like the Multicultural Affairs Committee and the International Relations Committee who look around the world to see what is happening, how blind and low vision persons around the world are being mistreated or not being treated or trained or moved up. Aren't we at the heart? We're a grassroots organization. We love saying that. But really... Aren't we just a giant coalition? Gabriel? A perfect segue. You gave me the perfect segue, Anthony. I just wanted to say, look around the world. Uh, back in the 1800s, there was the play by the name of Figaro was banned in Paris, in France, because it was said similar things to what they say about the books they're banning here 
in the United States today, that they're preventing misinformation, etc., etc. I don't applaud the killing of anyone, but look what the French did. <laughs> Literally heads rolled. I just want to say, look at what's happening right now in France due to the one person, one young man killed by the police. Do you think, like the way the French have responded to that horrific act of a policeman, do you think a policeman will kill another innocent man like happens here to the African-American community in the United States? I don't think so. I'm not talking about violent protests at all. I am talking about the right of an American to peacefully protest. We should be doing more of that. And what I see a lot is people saying, well, it makes me uncomfortable when people protest. And if you get right down to it, it's meant to. It's meant to make you uncomfortable, to draw attention to what is happening. I never recommend protesting alone. That's dangerous and hard. But if you have a group of people that you can get involved in in your local community to, to raise issues and peacefully protest, I strongly suggest you do so. Never feel like you're alone in this fight. You are not. We are all here with you, regardless of whether you're LGBT or, or just a, a person with a disability or just an ally who cares. It doesn't matter. We're all here together. We will have your back. You will have our back. And together we can achieve amazing, amazing progress. And just by sitting in this very room, you're part of the wave. But take what you're feeling inside right now and add those to your conversations. Add them to your interactions. Add them to your social medias. And when you hear something, say something. When you feel something, say something. Don't ever put yourself in danger, please. It's not just the LGBTQ community, although we want your support. It's not just that. There are wrongs happening to all the marginalized communities right now. And until we reach that hand out and say, I am with you, no one is with anyone. Use everything that you have learned today. Uh, reach out to us. Tristan and I will be activating the advocacy committee. And please, you're not alone. Thank you, Gabriel. Thank you, Anthony and Tristan. Thank you to everyone who spoke. And now, here's Leah Gardner with a BPI president's message. Greetings, BPI community. I can't believe that summer is almost over and that this discussion and presentation was delivered almost two months ago. Time really flies. As many of you know, the ACB conference and convention will be held in Jacksonville, Florida in July of 2024. I want to make BPI's official position clear. We will be present at the convention. Florida is one of the touchstone states where legislators are working hard night and day to adversely impact our community and dehumanize all of us. BPI is not asking for ACB to cancel the 2024 convention or change venue. The contract for the Jacksonville Hotel was signed in 2019, which was a number of years before Florida's efforts really kicked off. It would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for ACB to pull out of that contract, and BPI will not make that type of request. Instead, we will be present on the ground and we are currently working on 
efforts to protest the oppressive laws in Florida. We will do everything that we can to try and ensure the safety of all of our members, but we do respect that some of you may not feel safe or comfortable attending the convention. Please know that we will do everything in our power to protest the draconian laws that have been implemented in the state of Florida. I want everyone to remember that wherever you are in this country, you are one election cycle away from being in a state just like Florida or Texas or West Virginia or Tennessee. So I encourage all of you to vote in every general election because it is going to take all of us to reverse the current backlash against our community. I know that it is very challenging. We're at such a volatile time in our history right now. And the momentum for the GLBTQ plus community has been moving forward for the past 25 years or so. With the end of the don't ask, don't tell policy in the U.S. military in the early 2000s, and then with the U.S. Supreme Court deciding that same-sex marriage had to be universally accepted across this country, it seems surreal that we are dealing with this degree of backlash. But with every step forward in history, there is always pushback from people that oppose progress. We are facing one of those times in history right now. And if we want to swing the pendulum back in our direction, we all need to be vigilant. We all need to do whatever it is that we can in our communities to try and continue moving forward, despite all the naysayers and all the forces that want to push us back into the closet. So I encourage all of you to please vote Please remain as active as you can. And thank you for listening to Pride Connection. I've heard it too many times to ignore it. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, please visit our brand new website, bpi.gay. Thanks for listening. 